Trash Cinema. Hey everybody, welcome to Trash Cinema. This episode is going to be a total blast. Ha ha ha. Oh, oh, what a oh, 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 oh. Wow. I, that's probably what I'm going to name the episode because I'm a low rent motherfucker when it comes to <laughs> names. <laughs> um, I'm Michael. That's uh, Curzy on the other side. I forgot who you were for a second. Hey, what's up? <laughs> I have so many reoccurring notes that I forgot who I was talking to. I'm getting old. Send me away. All right, so uh, that awkwardness aside, this episode will be discussing Laser Blast, Blast Fighter, and Light Blast. I figured Blast in the Past doesn't really fit. That's not trashy. I don't know. I think that would have been pretty funny. It's a pretty good movie, actually. I really like that one. Uh, Laser Blast. It is decent. It just uh, just got on Hulu, so I wouldn't mind watching it. Yeah, it's, uh, well, I actually take something from that. It's... Uh, the line, uh, respect isn't showing off, it's a sign of, re- or no, manners isn't showing off, it's a sign of respect to the people you're with. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, to people I, with bad I manners. Just, I just remember, <laughs> I just remember that the 90s was an era of alcoholism. All yeah, and, uh, swing dancing, apparently. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah um, <laughs> the, uh... So originally I suggested not doing Laser Blast. I try not to cover any movie that's been on Mystery Science Theater 3000. And I said, Laser Blast was remade in 1989 as uh, Deadly Weapon. It's from the same company, and it takes the outline of the plot. But I watched it, and it's like, it's not shitty enough. It's not trashy enough. It's actually sincere, and it's kind of about uh, kids losing their mind and committing suicide. And I was like, damn it, that has good intentions. It's not meant for the show. (laughs) No, not at all. We do not. We do not condone or have any sort of message in this show. So yeah, it's unless it's so trashy and then it tricks you later. Like wait, the subtext is all oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Laser Blast um, is from Charles Band, who would go on to create tons and tons of malarkey that would go great on this epi- on this show. Uh, created Empire Pictures, created Full Moon. Um, legendary when it comes to trashy direct-to-video drive-in kind of stuff. Well, I mean, he clearly has a lot of talent. I do think that as silly and weird as this movie is for the budget that it had, it's kind of awesome. There are The only thing I don't like is the fact that it meanders so much. There is literally a sequence with Eddie Deason and his slick uh, best friend where they drive around a car and they just point at shit for five minutes. And, uh, what? <laughs> I mean, like, you can't really describe this movie in terms of plot because it yeah. kind of like, okay, they go do this and then now it's done and then they go do this. And now yeah, plot's it's over. it's weirdly, yeah, it's not designed to be episodic, but the way it's filmed is very episodic. Right. It it see it it kind of seems like they had one basic idea and then it was about twenty minutes long of like shit. We got to fill this thing somehow. Well, I think it's what what I'm guessing Charles Band was thinking was, hey, this guy looks like Mark Hamill. Since we can't afford Mark Hamill, we'll have him run around the desert and we'll give him lasers because everybody loves lasers. And, and fuck it, throw in aliens because Close Encounters of the Third Kind made a lot of, a lot of money last year. Yeah, that's it. And just mush them together. And then, and then literally blow up a Star Wars sign later on. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's so like, many explosions. Fuck you. Star- I, we're going to be so much cooler than Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's so cringy. It's the, ba- the basic plot is this kid finds uh, a giant laser cannon out in the middle of the desert, which was owned by another guy apparently just like him who got uh, suckered in. It was like um, calling to him, and uh, it only works if he wears the necklace with it. And 
starts off kind of normal. Well, not he just... all the time. There, there was one scene where he didn't have the necklace on and it still worked. For some oh, reason. well, that means that's... that's just a fuck up. So let me ask you this. Is yeah. this a long-going experiment by the aliens or did someone... How did the gun get off the, the ship in the first place and why are the aliens tracking and killing these people? I don't know. Maybe the necklace comes from another planet and then an, like an alien species lands on Earth and was kind of fucking around. Kind of like... Um... Uh, the green, oh god, what was that the superhero with the ring? Oh, gr- Green Lantern. Oh, green Lantern. You know, like alien lands or whatever, and is dying, and then someone picks up its amulet, and then wears it, and has the gun, and then goes crazy, and then uh, another alien species comes down to try to stop them to save humanity, and then a plane is like flying overhead, so the aliens have to duck out before they grab the super weapon. Yeah. Even though it's literally right in front of them. Sometimes, because for a while there, I wonder if they were just like. It was an experiment, or one of the aliens was down there doing research, and like, hey, uh, you seen the laser gun around here anywhere? And the other guy's, oh, shit. Um, yeah, it's back in Cabinet 5. And then later, like, this is not in Cabinet 5, you stupid son of a bitch, what'd you do with it? Oh, no, we have to go back. I left it on the counter of somebody's house. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, okay, so there's a sequence in the, so basically what happens in the beginning of the movie is that some kid with the, with the laser gun uh, is, like, crazy, looks like a zombie, he's just stomping around, and then two aliens come down, kill him, and then they leave to go back to their ship and leave the super weapon, presumably because they might get spotted by an airplane that's flying overhead or something. Um, but anyway, they like halfway through the movie, it comes back where there's another where they're like having a telecom with another alien uh, that's like, hey, we just saw some dude pick up the super weapon. The fuck, you guys left it behind. You gotta go back and. Then, of course, there's no dialogue in this. It's just kind of this weird comedic scene. Well, it's kind of like uh, uh, Mars Attacks. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's oddly charming, though. The aliens, I, I love the aliens. Oh, yeah, that's the best part. Dave Allen was a stop-motion animator for George Lucas. And, you know, he's responsible oh. for all the stuff he did in those movies. He did a bunch of stuff for the uh, movie Willow. And... Um, then, like, around 88, 89, he signed a long-term contract with Charles Band to create stop-motion animation for Puppet Master and, and other movies like that. And I believe he died very young. Oh, nice. I, I can't remember if he got, if he was exposed to fumes from the chemicals. It seems like a lot of the special effects guys had some sort of disease, uh, and they died at a young age because they were in a room with no proper ventilation and all the chemicals, and gave him cancer or something. And uh, it's just kind of a shame he died, I believe, at, like, 54, which is pretty young if you're thinking about how you know usually movie guys with money can take care of themselves unlike the normal person <laughs> and yeah it's kind of a shame because i love stop motion animation yeah me too you know, i don't it's a shame they don't really have that anymore but um one of the things is kind of so if he worked for star wars he must have been paid in like nickels or something for this yeah uh, movie because it's it's terrible but it's it's just bad enough that it's almost adorable but at the same time you have to look at the whole of the movie and only what two minutes total is stop motion animation that probably took a month and you know back then fifteen thousand dollars a month is pretty good pay yeah no i it it, uh, it paid off i, I dig it and I, I dig the movie really I, i've seen it actually a few times now now have you seen the original version or have you seen the mystery science theater version uh, I've seen the original version. Okay. In the Mystery Science Theater 3000 version, they mentioned that Leonard Moulton gave this two and a half stars out of five, and they gave him endless amount of mockery. And yeah, there are some serious flaws in this movie, but there's a weird 
we're doing this, kids. We're gonna make a movie kind of attitude, and it's just like fuck it. What do we got? We got you know you know we just use what we have to make a scrappy little film, and I enjoyed it too. Yeah, I got a I got a cardboard tube. We can we can make that into a laser. Like perfect. Yeah. Let's go with it. And, and, it it kind of it reminds me of like when I was making movies with my friends. You know. Yeah, and I love the. Um, Roddy McDowell is one of my favorite actors, an absolute joy. You know he's just showing up to do this for a paycheck, but he never phones it in. He was in a lot of trashy movies, but never once did he give a shit performance. Yeah, um, he well, he was the detective, right? No, he is the doctor. The what? He's the doctor who's trying to pull the jewel out of his chest. He's only in it for a few minutes. Oh, that guy, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we yeah, know yeah, from Friday Night and Play of the Apes. incredibly... He has an incredibly soft voice, as I have to say. <laughs> the, um, oh, damn it, I can't remember his name. The old man at the very beginning. Uh, curly hair. Oh, Son of a bitch, why did I forget his name? He's in hundreds of these movies. But um, he's like, the government, hush, hush. I'm going to look this up because I'm embarrassing the shit out of myself right now. Laser blast. And I'm sure Google was like, are you sure you want to look up laser blast? I'll say this. <laughs> the, the one major difference between this and Deadly Weapon is you truly believe why. Uh, he turns psychotic in Deadly Weapon. He gets the snot beat out of him on a regular basis. He has an abusive home. This kid here just seems like kind of like rebel without a cause, man. I got a problem, but I'm not sure what it is. Yeah, the kind of the only thing that really happened that was messed up was that those two bullies that kind of just like make fun of him sometimes but like not in any threatening way yeah at, at one point they tried to rape his girlfriend no at a yeah. party that well, was that is super weird and out of nowhere um and that was a really quick scene but that was like the only time he really got beat up and then uh as you would want to he you know put on the uh necklace thing uh to shoot the laser and it like kind of messed with his head and kind of turned him into a that uh, creature, that twisted sort of creature yeah. from the beginning. Do you think this is a metaphor for drugs? Like the first time it's a high and then he it's, it, it keeps drawing him because he knows he's not supposed to do it anymore. He gets warnings like crazy not to, to deal with it or whatever and he cannot control himself until it ultimately destroys him. It's, it's basically a metaphor for heroin in my opinion or, or you know, a drug. It sure, it, it could be. I don't know if uh, they were clever enough to really think about that but maybe accidentally yeah <laughs> uh, the old man in this is Keenan Wynn who was in a bunch of classic movies um, by the time he made this he could not hear he was almost 100% hearing loss and so he would recite his lines and wait for you to stop talking and then say his that's why he is constantly yelling because he cannot tell how loud he is which works for this character because he's an old man who's clearly gone insane yeah uh, or at least has Alzheimer's uh, as he's yelling at this kid and his bike it like threw the bike at him and then when he went to go pick up the bike it's like no leave it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i say so uh weird. a tentative thumbs up to uh, well i'm gonna get sued i'm gonna get sued if i use thumbs up uh hey two trash cans up <laughs> for this one out of five it's it's enjoyable but i don't think i'd revisit it again anytime soon but you know it's like one of those every five ten years you're good yeah i've i've seen it twice now I'd probably see it again. It's it really does have that sort of charming quality. Um, if you've ever really been interested in making movies or just kind of fucked around with your friends with a camera before. Yeah, there was a time period where where it seemed like anybody could make a movie and get it distributed in theaters, not video theaters. And this is that time period where little companies could make a mark. Yep. There's a 
Our second film is Blast Fighter from another small studio called All Me, and I've been doing research on them all day. All Me was a wannabe studio that com- they would do pickups of foreign art films and a lot of trashy movies, and they never made it big. But uh, I think their biggest release and their biggest hit was one that we discussed earlier in the series. It was 2019 after the fall of New York, and uh, mm, yep. Blast Fighter was a pickup they got with. Uh, after the fall of New York, both starring Ma- Michael Sipkow, the uh, model turned actor who only starred in four movies, and I think he's actually pretty decent. He's not bad. I, I mean, I, I I don't mind him. The uh, and I subject you to a few Italian movies here and there. I have this weird affection for, and I apologize if I keep offering up so many of them. I just love mm-hmm. Italian ripoff movies, and Blast Fighter is m- maybe my favorite Italian ripoff movie because. Like the best of them, it takes elements from numerous hit movies and makes it into this weird hodgepodge film. Uh, yeah, the most apparent uh, is probably going to be Rambo. Yeah, the first Rambo, there's deliverance elements because he's taken on hillbillies. There's Death Wish because it's a, a revenge film. But um, the basic outline is, of this is it starts off kind of like a Dirty Harry movie where he takes on this senator and his henchmen. And they have murdered and raped his wife. He shoots them. He doesn't go to... Wait, no, he does go to jail. And he gets out or whatever. And he's been completely disgraced. He goes back home. Um, He hasn't been there in forever and ever. And um, runs into a bunch of fucking rednecks who are just murder crazy, rape crazy. Just just the freakiest of freaks. It's a a pastiche of Italian movies that everybody's extremely over the top. Uh, wait, didn't when he got out of prison? Didn't wasn't he given like a super shotgun, and then he was going to go kill the senator? The no, that was those, so. Those are flashbacks. flashbacks. Those are flashbacks. Uh, okay. See, uh, we're, we're going to go ahead and say this right now. The copy that I sent uh, sent you wasn't exactly the best quality, so you had to do a summation of things that were going on, and I apologize for that. Yeah, I had to watch another uh, like a, a review, so I like a lot of the context for the scenes that i watched were uh not there so yeah it, there's a beautiful blu-ray out there but i don't have 29 dollars right now to afford the blu-ray uh yeah if you said 10 bucks i'd be on it because it's still a fun italian trashy movie but 30 dollars reminds me it's a fun italian trashy movie <laughs> yeah 30 dollars is spendy for it yeah for, well it's one of the yeah. independent labels and they can't sell as much so they have to raise their price oh yeah that's true the um basically you know he, he runs into these scumbags and he decides to take them on and doesn't realize that the biggest punk of them all is the brother of his old best friend and they ran into an issue a long time ago and uh if i remember correctly he had to shoot him in the leg oh damn it i've seen this movie like four or five times i still can't remember whatever it is they always hold a grudge but like a kind of like well we used to be friends i don't hate your guts but i still have this thing in the back of my mind about you shooting me and basically he, he runs this thing where his daughter uh, comes to visit him, and they witness a murder, and they're on the run from the hillbillies, and three-quarters of the movie is just a constant race through the woods. And sometimes a pursuit movie doesn't need to be heavy on plot. It just needs to constantly move and give you some good action and new scenery, and, and I really just enjoy that. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, Mad Max Fury Road is, like, one of the best movies in the past, like, ten years, and there's very little plot going on. Yeah, it's just a chase... That's a pursuit. Have you ever seen Judgment Night with um, uh, Emilio Estevez and Dennis Leary? Uh, no. Is that is that? Oh wait, no, that's Maximum Overdrive. Never mind. No, no. This uh, uh, this sidetrack here. Judgment Night is one of my favorite movies, um, and it was a huge flop. 
It came out the damn day that Demolition Man came out. <laughs> Two action movies on the same day. Good going, Einstein's. Um, yeah. But Emilio Estevez, Cuba Gooding Jr., Stephen Dorff, and Jeremy Piven are from the suburbs, and they're going into Detroit to see a boxing match. And they're running late. There's a huge traffic jam, so they decided to take an off-ramp and try to cut around all the traffic to get back to the stadium. But this is before MapQuest. This is before any sort of guidance that can get you there, and they get lost. And they accidentally run over somebody. And turns out the guy was shot before they ever hit him. And it's because he was on the run from these drug lords uh, that he stole a bunch of money from. And so they kill him and they realize that Emilio Estevez and all these guys have seen it. So they cr- they, they, they ram their car into the uh, little RV that they're driving around in. And it, it basically leaves them uh, left in the you know wilderness of... The urban city, you know, I, wilderness. I don't know what I'm saying, but you know, uh, you know how the, the city is like a jungle. I mean, that metaphor. Yeah. yeah but exactly. it, all the buildings are basically like trees, and they're lost, and they don't know where they're going. They have no protection, and it's the middle of the night, so there's no cops or anybody around, and they're just basically being chased this entire movie, and they're trying to get to civilization instead of out of this like basically a wasteland it's like escape from new york almost but it's set in the modern day and there's no apocalypse it's just the ghetto has been abandoned and left with like just psychotics it's really amazing you think emilio estevez is like the gang leader no emilio estevez is the hero dennis leary's the villain oh okay good i was gonna say yeah yeah can't imagine uh, emilio estevez is a threatening villain no and it's from the director of predator 2 he did uh nightmare on elm street 5 so it's an action movie but he shoots it like a thriller, or like a horror movie. Hmm, sounds really good. We got a sidetrack there. Sorry, but it's go see Judgment Night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> yeah, Blast Fighter is a pursuit movie like that, though. They're constantly move, 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 and it, it seems like they got every angle planned, and something always goes wrong, and they have to keep going. And it just, it's one of these things that turns into, like, you know, a, a deliverance on the run kind of movie, like uh, surviving the game or hard target, and then it turns into like a western. At the end, you know, he has to sh- uh, face down with his old friend, and uh, I just, I really, really enjoy the hell out of this movie. Hello. Yes. What? Oh, sorry. I think the call dropped for a second. Oh, sorry. That was awkward. Um, but I said I thought it was a really yeah, great that movie. That was a weird pause. Uh, Lamberta Bava is the director. He is the son of Mario Bava. He didn't direct a lot of movies, only a handful, and I really thought he had an eye for this. And for whatever reason, either he couldn't get the funding for the movies he wanted to, or he just lost interest in it. But I thought he was almost as good as his dad. I I can't really say much since I didn't get to really experience the movie as it was, but it did look interesting. Uh, There's a lot of pretty cool scenes. I love the badass shotgun. Oh my god, the shotgun's so awesome because there's different... fuck out of everything. Yeah, it's kind of like a James Bond thing going because he has different types of bullets. Right, yeah. Like explosive shells and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, corkscrew. He has one that has a little corkscrew that digs right through you. It's horrifying. Alright, so our third film is uh, Light Blast. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's as exciting as the other ones, but there's some moments in there like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, it's basically just that scene from the first Indiana Jones movie where everyone's faces melt yeah. for about an hour and a half. But they love it so much, they keep repeating it in different ways. It's basically Eric Estrada's like, uh, like another uh, cop on the loose, man. Give me your badge. Uh, turn in your gun. You're a reckless. Uh, kind of cop and um, it takes elements from like Cobra 
where he's just like he takes on a hostage thing or whatever and has to get naked. He shoot the gun. The gun through the turkey was amazing. That was awesome. I honestly <laughs> didn't ex- really expect that. <laughs> he shows up naked um, at the store in a hostage crisis, and they're like, did you bring dinner? He's like, yeah, I got this chicken or whatever it was, a pheasant. And he has a little tiny pistol with a silencer on it, shoves it through the back of the turkey, and blows the guy's brains out. Okay, so uh, I couldn't really hear what those dudes were screaming about. So in the hostage situation in the beginning, we first meet Eric Estrada. We first see his ass. Uh, so... They wanted some hot chick to bring them dinner or something, <laughs> I, uh, and instead they got Eric Estrada. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck was going on. It was hilarious. Were they gay? Because like it kind of seemed like they were into it when maybe came in. I don't know. I, I never. I didn't, didn't pick up on that. I should watch that again. Um, yeah, this is one of those ten, twelve years ago. I started buying Italian bootleg movies because uh, they were never available in America. Light Blast was only ever on VHS briefly and then, you know, disappeared. And I was curious about this one because I kept hearing about all the gore. And and uh, the basic plot, that's just the opening. It's, that's your typical hostage negotiation kind of thing that would be a stereotype for the next 20 years in action movies. But the basic plot is there's these crazed scientists out uh, testing this giant fucking laser gun that melts people. It melts everything, basically. Uh, and they keep testing on people, and then they decide, oh, well, let's use this as hostage, or like a hostage negotiation thing. They're they're terrorists, and they want a lot of money to keep from melting people. Right. Okay. But in the beginning of the movie, I mean, before Eric Strata's naked, um, there is a part where there's two teenagers having sex, and then they use the super weapon on them. Yeah, well, I don't think they knew they were there. I don't think they knew they were there. They were uh, getting it on in a empty uh, train car, which is weird because that's not a thing people yeah. do. <laughs> no, it was, it was so out of the way of civilization. Like, why would they go that far? Yeah, you know, to to have sex. I understand you can't really have sex when your parents are home, but you could find somewhere closer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they're testing the gun the first time, and so they, you know they're out there and they start melting the train car. Because they think it's you know it's useless or whatever, and they end up killing those people, and that's what starts the whole thing. Is you know the cops are called out there, and Eric Estrada is put on the case, and uh, they were they belt they they tested out again on a baseball stadium, I think, and oh my god, that was even more gory. I think it was a racetrack. Right. Okay. Yeah, I remember it was a competition. I just watched this like a week ago. It tells you it's kind of forgettable. Um, directed yeah, by a little bit. I mean, uh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you're fine. Go ahead. I'm good. Uh, what I was gonna say is that it, it follows a very it follows a formula of uh, scientists do something some and, and, and basically blow up someone's face and then back to Eric Estrada uh, walking around as a cop and then getting into confrontation and then shooting somebody and then it kind of goes back and forth like that for yeah. a while and then it finally meets up towards so, yeah yeah towards the end where this is the weirdest thing is they're on the run now and he has the laser gun or what do you want to call it, the the melting gun. In a barge, which is underwater, and I still don't completely understand why you would have that down there. Were they going to just go by on the barge and lift it up and start melting things? I mean, I don't even see where... How the fuck do barges even work? I didn't know they had storage containers on the bottom you could actually work out of, have a lab. I don't know. Maybe it was on a lift or something? I don't but know. But no, the hole was so small they couldn't fit the gun through. Yeah, I don't know. If you are a barge specialist, please call us at 1-800-NEED-TO-KNOW-BARGE. <laughs> 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 but um, 
This yeah. is from Enzo Castellari, who's a legendary Italian director who did a movie we discussed uh, a few months ago, also, I believe, in 2019 after the fall of New York called The Bronx Warriors. And uh, Escape from the Bronx. The guy knows his trash. Oh, yeah, those, sure. those ones are good. Um, and he always casts his brother. His brother is the mad scientist. He always has this cheesy mustache and uh, uh, long blonde hair. Yeah, yeah the, the Lee Van Cleef lookalike. Yeah. Is it so weird that they stopped the movie? To show him working out, what the hell was that? Like I'm yeah, not just a, I'm no whippy was, scientist. Blah. I was so confused because like, I okay I I, I don't know if my if I kind of if my brain kind of uh, sees spaced out a little bit or had an aneurysm. I'm not sure, but I thought he was t- he was like directing uh, those guys to drop off money or something. That was the scientist, right? That was telling them to yeah. go do that, and then it would just cut to him working out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I don't it's know so strange. Happening. Italian movies are I mean, weird. I guess he they was, have these cutaways. Yeah, I guess he was make no working, sense. He was working out near the barge. Maybe that's why they were like establishing that it was going to be the final confrontation. But it wasn't like a fist fight. It was just him accidentally killing himself. So yeah. I don't know what the but the point of that was... It, it does seem like it was a little bit of a letdown. They have a huge car chase sequence, which I thought was really cool. And, um, yeah, that was pretty fun. And then all of a sudden they go to that and they have the showdown or whatever, and then he accidentally just melts himself. And you're like, uh, well, all right. And then Eric Estrada just kind of goes, huh, and then walks off. That's the end of the movie. <laughs> he just walks away. The laser's still going. Yeah, as far as we know, it's going to melt the water and, you know, and hit other things. It's going to go through the... Oh, my God, it's going to go through the barge. We're not safe. It yeah. could still be going right now. <laughs> But that's the thing that didn't make sense because they had to shoot the laser from inside the barge to blow up the city. And then the thing is just like spinning in circles, lasering whatever it touches. And so it does, So apparently it doesn't work that way. So maybe it did need to be taken out of the thing. I don't know what was going on. Yeah. Or was there... Well, no, there had to have been more than one because they had the one on top of the van. So maybe they had multiple and they were just going to... Maybe he was saving that one for later? I don't know. Emergency backup uh, melter facer thing. Yeah, like a terrible backup plan, I guess. That's um, weird. Yeah, it, it, not all Italian movies make sense, but I thought it was kind of fun. I just, this is very, very low rent of me, but I kind of just like watching the melty parts. <laughs> yeah, like when, once you kind of see the formula that happens, you can kind of just skip around for a bit. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a zone out. It's not plot heavy. It's not like some of these crazy Italian movies... Where there's so much plot, and it's like, okay, this doesn't make enough sense as it is, and now the plots, I really got to pay attention because it bounces all over the place, and some of these you can kind of zone out and then just hop into the the fun parts. Yeah, but if, I mean, if you love that scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark where people's faces melt, then you're probably going to enjoy some of this movie. How the fuck is that PG? I still don't understand to this day why that was PG. It boggles my mind. It's just. That was so disgusting. I saw that when I was like six or seven, and I was horrified. Well, they they were Nazis, right? Yeah, I mean, it's fun that, that Nazis. That's what kind of made it. That's kind of what made it okay. Maybe I guess. I don't know. the MPA was like, "Are these American?" No, okay, then we're good. Just keep keep melting. Yeah, I was watching something the other day. I was watching Logan's Run, and uh, there's nudity. There's an orgy scene. There's people who get melted into goo, just like this movie. PG. So weird. Yeah. Um, looks, yeah. Uh, fuck, there was that uh, Romeo and Juliet movie that has like full frontal nudity, and that's like PG-13 or something. I don't really? Know. That's insane. I remember being yeah. in a theater with Doc Hollywood where she walks out of the water nude and you see everything, and I was like, 
uh, this is PG, and I like kind of look around to see what else everybody's reactions are. And um, I see a mother with her two kids, and she's covering their eyes. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, you got tricked into a PG movie. Sorry, lady. <laughs> you can't even see that in PG-13 now. I feel like there's no nudity in PG-13, except maybe you're once more like a bare ass, and it's usually meant to be humorous. Are you saying there's like no PG-13 movies? No, there's lots of PG-13 movies. There's just no nudity in oh. PG-13 movies anymore. Yeah, that's true. The... Uh, it's so strange that Eric Estrada's career went down the fucking tubes after Chips. It's not like it was a classy show. I watched it. It's fine as a family generic show. Always had a lesson at the end of it. But it was a top 20 show almost its entire run. And then when he got done, nobody wanted to hire him. And he started doing these Italian films. He did like three or four of them. And then uh, just started doing like Mexican soap operas. The guy cannot get hired for any reason. Except for C-Lab 2021... I love that. I love that's a good voice. show, though. Yeah, but um, I guess that's it. Uh, nothing else I can really say about these. I my my favorite, like I said, is Blast Fighter. Light Blast is good for one viewing. Um, I would say maybe one trash can. <laughs> that's how we're gonna rate this from now on. <laughs> <laughs> one and a half, maybe. Yeah, Light Blast is okay. Yeah, I, I laughed a lot watching it, especially the opening. So I, you know, if you want to watch something to just completely laugh, like what the fuck is going on, then it's definitely for you. Do you think it's weird the music choices they have for some of these Italian movies? Like, they don't seem... Yeah. Okay, so there's a Star song, uh, Starlight or whatever. They sing like 15 fucking times in Blast Fighter. Over and over and over. And then it ends with this techno... Like, those two don't go together at all. And Light Blast has the same thing. I don't thing. know what their taste of music is over yeah. there. Well, no, I think... Yeah, they, I feel like... I think uh, they, what they think is what Americans like, and they, they don't have a clue. Mm. Yeah, you know, I was just kind of thinking, because um, the whole um, actor's going to do, like, Italian cinema sort of reminds me of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's just kind of, like, what you did when your career's going downhill. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. To, like, I, I feel like commercials is that version of today. I feel like... An actor who's kind of washed up kind of relies on doing commercials instead. Yeah, we still have direct-to-video movies. We still have rip-off movies. They're just not shot in Italy. They're funded by Bulgarian and Russian companies now, and Chinese companies. Huh. I, was just thinking, I don't really see that kind of stuff anymore. I don't really see uh, movies like that. I don't know. I feel like it's just littered with it. My friend Chad Law writes a lot of action movies, and most of them go straight to video. And you look, you're like, well, that guy used to be a name. Oh, that guy used to be a name. That guy used to be a name. Um... But that, it, it is that, that way, though, because uh, obviously Quentin Tarantino really knows film, and he really knows Italian movies, because that's a big point in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, is that his career is falling apart. He had a hit TV show a decade ago. He had, like, one hit movie right after that, and that's why he left the show. And um, that was it. That one hit movie uh, turned into TV appearances, you know, eight years later, and he's given an offer to go to Italy to shoot a bunch of movies back to back to back. And that's actually what they did back then. You would get an actor, have him come over to Italy, and uh, they would give you like uh, maybe a little bit more than you probably would in America because they so desperately need an American name they can sell the movie. So say you got like $25,000 for a movie in 1979. You get like thirty five mm-hmm. to 40000 and top billing and stuff like that. So... And they'd go, well, you're already here. Do you want some more work? And they would book you, book you, book you. And sometimes you would do just a couple days. Sometimes you would be the lead. You know, they did that with a lot of actors. Some actors who were just on hard times, Donald, or, or, or on their way down, 
But sometimes they got actors just so they had a boost. Lee Van Cleef had a boost uh, with Escape from New York, so he started doing Italian movies for a much bigger cost. Donald Pleasance, after Halloween, did a ton of Italian shitty rip-off movies. Um, was I thinking, uh, well, there's a legendary uh, Miles O'Keefe, who was, a, uh, I believe, a model, and he had no acting talent whatsoever, but he was in one hit movie because he was in a Tarzan film with tons of nudity and Bo Derek. And they, all of a sudden they gave him like 12 more movies in Italy, and they just paid him like gob tons of money because he was a recognizable face. Some guys just had a decade or so of just killing it in, in that industry. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't really... Okay, so like the new industry that you're saying is sort of... Uh, you said it was Bulgarian, Russian, and Chinese? Yeah, so it's usually the three markets for the lower-end films. Is uh, well, well, I shouldn't say Bulgarian money. They shoot them in Bulgaria because it's like one-sixth the cost there. So it's usually Middle Eastern guys like Millennium and Canon Pictures used to be that kind of company oh, where they would say, hey, we got uh, $3 million. We'll go shoot a movie in Bulgaria. With that, we can you know, get $9 million worth of, you know, you know the, the ratio, like a $9 million movie in America would cost $3 million in Bulgaria. And uh, then we'll just sign a couple decent names and we can sell that worldwide. And they make a huge profit of it off of it. Because I'm trying to think if there's one with uh, John Cusack and Morgan Freeman uh, called The Contract. And uh, they made it for $20 million, and uh, most of it went to those two guys. I think they both got paid like $5 million apiece. And they covered their costs so much by pre-selling them because everybody knows who they are, or at least they knew who they were you know, 10 years ago. And um, what's left over, they're like, well, fuck it. Let's just send it to video in America and use the rest as a write-off or something like that. And that's the way it is with, like, uh, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis signs on for anything that will pay him the price he asks. And he only has to show up for, like, two or three days. And they give him, like, a million dollars for two or three days of work. And that's why you see a lot of these guys do this kind of stuff because they get paid shit tons of money. But it's always for scripts that have no budget. Oh, well, this one has you wandering in the woods. It has Hayden Christensen and Bruce Willis to show up for two days. And it will cost us uh, $6 million, and we can sell it for $20 million worldwide. That's how the movies work now. They pre-sell all this stuff. It's crazy. Weird. Like I kind of figured, like the new the new version of that was just like straight to Netflix shit or something. Like that. Well, Netflix is weird because I feel like they're just buying stuff the studios already made, and they're like, "Oh fuck me, this isn't gonna sell." You know, we can't we can't put this in theaters. It's never gonna make its money back, and they sell it for like half the cost to Netflix or something like that. That's how I've been hearing about it. Like Triple Frontier, I think Warner Brothers, I think produced it, but they realized it was going to cost so much to promote it, and and he they didn't believe an audience was there for it. Hmm. Yeah, but just to wrap this up though. That's what they did with Italian movies back then, is they would get together some money, and then they would always allocate part of the budget to um, a couple actors, like one rising star or, or or really falling star as a lead, and they always got someone to come in as like an and. Um, uh, Blast Fighter didn't have an aunt because all went to Eric Estrada but um, I'm trying to think of one like there's one called Hands of Steel where John Saxon just shows up literally for like two days and that was the name they, just, they used to sell it in America it happens a lot I'm going on I'm sorry I'm boring you <laughs> I might have to change this the name of this one to uh, uh, I don't know How uh, to Sell Italian... a Movie Internationally 30 Years Ago <laughs> No, it's Italians, still... Chinese, Netflix, lasers. Oh my, I don't oh, know. Yeah, okay. All right, I wandered off the range too much. You had to poke <laughs> me and get me back. Um, so uh, anything else you want to say before we go? 
No, I would say that uh, I like Laser Blast. I think that one's pretty good. Um, I think that, uh, oh man, what was the... I, I gotta find you a good copy of Blast Fighter. Right? I gotta find you a good copy. You, you, it's a really, it's a must-see in my book. Yeah, Blast Fighter, I would love to see. I, I, it's unfortunate I didn't really get to see a good copy of it or the whole thing or anything, but uh, I would definitely like to see that. And then, what was the other one? I can't Light Blast. That one. Light Laser? Light, light Blast. Light yeah. Blast. Last Light. Uh, light <laughs> Blast. All right. That one is pretty funny. I enjoyed watching it, but I probably won't see it again. No. All right, everybody. So check us out on Video Night Podcast, and uh, that is it, everybody. Kersey, send us out. All right. Stay trashy, kids. <laughs>